Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I think we really got something in. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. The Nightcap. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here for another hour here on WGR. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get in on the conversation. Talking a lot about Skinner's contract in the first hour and then a little bit on Housley and his future at the end. I don't think it's a... He might be the most uh, debatable thing about the team right now. It's a pretty one-sided debate, it feels like, amongst fans. But if you try to separate whether you want him gone from whether you think he'll be back, I think you're going to have maybe two different answers at the end of the day. Because even I would, I think there's a strong case to be made that he should be done by the end of the year. I also do think there is a case for him to be back. And I'm kind of on the fence. But my guess is he will be back next season. What do you think? 803-0550 is the phone number. Read through some texts and tweets in just a second. But first, let's get to Joe, who is on the line. Joe, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, uh, hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? All right. So, I'm not really on the fence. I really think he should go. But just because I look at it this way, I really don't think they were – I mean, I know they weren't the number one team in the league, but I think realistically I knew they weren't actually that good. But the way they crashed and burned, like, just within – since, like, December, I really – I never expected anything like this. And I just don't think, like, how bad it's gone since December. They can realistically keep him. I really don't think he's going to go, though. It seems Jason Bottrell is pretty set that Bill House is their guy. Mm-hmm. Be surprised if you know he's not gone. But let me let me let me ask you this though: Does it matter to you like who the replacement would be? Because to me, what I would be worried about is firing him now and then kind of settling for a guy that I'm not really okay with as my head coach for the next few years. Um. Well, I want the Blackhawks, and so I, I was really you know I, I didn't think firing Joel Quenville I guess was a good move, but I guess maybe looking at it now it's a good move because they're not probably not going to make the playoffs, but still only four points out. It's not like it's completely unreachable. That would be like my number one ideal replacement. Um, Okay, I got you. I I kind of agree with you um, on that. I'm still on the fence, but to me the big holdup is I don't necessarily want to just dump the coach to start next year because then I'm kind of limiting myself to the pool that's immediately available to me. And like last season, for instance, I had Housley in place, and this, this is a very unique situation, but Bill Peters does not get re-signed by Carolina. I love Bill Peters as a head coach. He's been churning out great analytical teams in Carolina for years, and really the only reason they never made the playoffs was because they've had 
the worst goaltending in the league over the past five seasons. And it was not a coincidence that he got to Calgary this year and they're the best team in the West. That guy was available last offseason, but because I was only in year one with my head coach and I didn't have an interim in place, I had no opportunity to do that. Now, that's a very specific example, and I, they wouldn't have probably had an interim anyway for an entire season. So, But if you bring Bilesma back for another year instead of rushing him out of there, and then you have an interim for the rest of the season, then you could be kind of free to do whatever you want for that offseason, and maybe you could have got Bill Peters. This is kind of what I'm thinking. I just want them to be to leave as many options open as possible. And to me, that means not making a change just for the sake of making a change and just shipping Housley out and bringing in whoever you can get. But I would not kill them for doing it at all. Because this team, you're right, it, it, it's collapsed. It, this has been a collapse the past uh, couple months here. Let's go back to the phone lines. Matt and Tonawanda, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, just sure. a couple of quick questions. Do, do you think, assuming that they move on from Housley, I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't, but assuming that they do, do you think they would seriously make a run? I heard that uh, you know Quenville, Joel Quenville is interested in returning to coaching. Do you think they would seriously consider making a, an offer at him, and do you think he'd consider coaching the Sabres? And then a uh, quick roster question. Do you, sure. see, uh, do you see Nylander on the roster next year? And you and just uh, your take on who do you think uh, uh, will be our starting goalie next year? Thanks. Um, okay, thanks for the thanks for the stuff there. Um, let me start with that last question because I think that's the most obvious one. I think it's going to be a split again between Olmark and Hutton. I think Hutton is going to be the one A slash one B guy until Olmark takes it over, and I don't think Olmark's done that yet. So maybe Olmark starts as your number one next year, but those are going to be your goaltenders. Nylander, two weeks ago, I would have told you no way he's going to be on this roster to start next season. Now that he's gotten a few games in, I know it's only a couple games, and he's looked really good, and he's held his own in a top six role. Now I would say there is a there's a chance. There's a chance. I wouldn't say it's likely at this point. I wouldn't bet on it happening. But I would acknowledge that these past couple games, even me being his biggest, biggest critic, not really liking what he brings to the table skill set-wise, being picked where he was picked, he's shown well lately. So I would give him a chance to be on the roster next year. I would probably put it under 50-50, though, at this point. And then Quenville, I don't know, man. I'd love to just sit here and say, yeah, he should be interested. I can make a case he should. You have a team with Eichel and Darlene. I think he you get in the room with him, for sure. But I don't know. If I'm Joel Quenville... I'm going to a team that's like been on the verge of success and just needs to get over a final hump. And I think the Sabres still have more than just a final hump to get over. And I'm talking cups here, not just playoffs. Like Quenville, I think, is going to try to go to a team where they're thinking Stanley Cup as soon as possible. Like that's the immediate goal. And let's be honest, right now with the Sabres, their immediate goal is not Stanley Cup, it's playoffs. They have to reach one milestone before they get to the one where I think Quenville is eyeing up. So my guess would be he would not be interested. But like I said, just because you have that combination of players, Eichel, Dahlin, I think you're at least getting in the room, and you never know. Let's go to Tim in West Seneca. Tim, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, good evening. I appreciate the uh, sure. call, sir. No problem. Um, I am very concerned the way the fans are reacting about the way the season went because they got very jaded about the huge winning streak we went because we only – 
our regulation wins are, have been pathetic for years. Our five-on-five play has been pathetic for years, and none of that changed in that winning streak. We got a we had a surge there where we did pretty well, and we had the puck go our way, and we haven't had the puck go our way since. And I can guarantee you right now, Botterill knows what he has to do. I think it's more of a Botterill thing than it is a Housley thing. And I know the fans are going to be sitting there saying, oh, my God, another guy talking. And I'm thinking, like, well, we've got guys on this team that aren't going to be here next year. I think we can realistically say this. And we are on the up and up, but we're not where we're supposed to be right now, even with our development of the players. I think the uh, the combination's just not there yet, and it hasn't been there. I mean, we got away with it in November, but we didn't get away with it after that. Let me let me let me chime in with this though, because you are right. When you look at that ten game win streak, they actually were not playing well when it comes to high danger scoring chances and the possession numbers and all the analytics. But when you look at the season as a whole, and that's including the past couple months. Yes, they were not as good as that 10-game win streak, but if you do look at those numbers, they're also not as bad as they've been the past couple months. They actually fall like just a, about an average team, maybe slightly below average in the league. They're not quite where they've been the past couple years, where they were just rock bottom. But I think you and I would have to agree that realistically there's some players that are on, that are on the roster aren't going to be there, and I think sure. the people that are going to be there moving forward I mean, that's still left up to discussion because we can't assume to say that Nylander is going to come by and be a top six all the way. Oh, for sure. We're still in a kind of little bit of a flux there, and I can understand what the fans are saying. But we also have to – I mean, the scary thing is we still have to remain patient because this sounds like another – it's not a rebuild. There's no such thing as a rebuild now. We're moving forward. The only problem is we want, we want the Stanley Cup now, and it's just not going to happen. That's the unfortunate thing. And I can sympathize with the fans, but you need another offseason here for Botterill to get radically – he has to radically fix this team still because. Do you have do you have like specific players in mind? We were talking here where you're like they're not going to be here next year. Well, I really truly think that, and this is my opinion. I mean, it might be crazy or not, but he needs to shake up the team by making a hockey trade. I think. Uh, well, I'll say this personally. I think Montour and Darlene are fine. I mean, yep. the combination of all the other players back on the back end. I mean. If we really would have had uh, a little bit more out of Jake McCabe this year, I think we would be fine. But his, he's having the same issues that Bogosian has with not staying healthy. Yeah. I mean, staying healthy is matters also in this league as well. And I do think he's a better player, but, yeah, you're right about the injuries. But I would say when you have an injury problem like those guys have, it kind of puts yeah. a little bit more trouble on what you actually put out of the ice. Nelson should be fine. Nelson's got a great future in my mind. I think that's why they got Nelson. He's had the same problem as everybody else. We've had so much injury bug, just nagging injuries, that we really can't put the chemistry of players that we want out there. It's not. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right in part. Tim, thanks for the call, man. You made a lot of good points, but really, the injury bug has hit the Sabers to an extent, but it isn't really with their top players. Like Skinner's played every game, Reinhardt's played every game, Dalene's played every game, Eichel's missed only a few. Like they have not been missing the guys that. Are there consistent producers? Their goalies haven't been injured all year. And I know they're not superstars, but they have been healthy. Like they've injury is not really where I would put it on, even though you've got McCabe uh, missing time here. I don't know. To me, I, I agree with part the, the part I agree most about that call is the changes that are gonna come like bottom six wise. And that's where you gotta hope, but it's so aren't you so sick of being patient? Aren't you so sick of being patient? We're always told to be patient. And the Bills this year have me thinking, all right, it's go time. 
and thank God because I'm sick of being patient with them. And the Sabres for next year, I think it's got to be go time too. Has to be. You are losing precious years of Jack Eichel is Jack Eichel's prime. Today's NHL players' primes are like 21 to 28, and Eichel's now in that. You're wasting years of it. So, when I look at them, the advanced stats—they're about an average team in the league. They're a little bit below, which is better than what they've been. So you just got to hope, though, because they don't have guys you can count on to come in here and immediately be great. There is nobody in Rochester that you can count on to be a top-six player. You hope, and that's still where they're stuck at. You're hoping Nylander can do it. You're hoping Olofsson can do it. You're hoping Thompson can do it. I think Middlestat maybe should be the one guy I can say I can count on it. I can almost surely count on Middlestat at some point being a top-six forward. But everything else is still a hope. And just circling that back to what their expectations should be for next year, it should be playoffs. And to me, if you bring a new coach in, the only way you're doing that is if it's like a a jump up, like a big step up. I'm not firing Housley, I think, to bring in some other team's AHL coach. I'm doing it for a Quenville or a Boudreaux, and I think that's it. I think Hitchcock's probably retiring, but like that's it to me. Let's go back to the phone lines. Jeff in Buffalo is on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, no problem. Uh, I don't know if you touched on this at all, but what about the chance of bringing Lindy back? I mean, we took a chance bringing Nolan back before that didn't work out. But before we got rid of Lindy, he was good, and then as we got rid of his players – Mm-hmm. why he kind of tailed off. So now that we have good stuff here, you know, what's the chances of bringing him back? What's the chances of him wanting to come back? Yeah, dude, I want to entertain your question so much because I loved him as a coach, and I've defended his time here as a coach. Like He, to me, was one thing that we have... The one thing we have not seen from Sabres coaches since Lindy was adaptability because that's exactly what he did. When the late, he first started late 90s, his best player was a goaltender. So what did he do? He played lock-it-down defense and they made it to the cup. What did he do after that? They end up getting Briere, Drury. They were the small but really fast and offensive team. So what did he do? He opened up the floodgates and they were the highest-scoring team in the league. Then... A couple years later, now my goalie's my best player again with Miller, so they play lock it down again, and they win the division that way. So, like, to me, I think there is a case to be made, especially for me personally, that I would want Lindy back as head coach, but I think that might be the kid in me coming out being biased and saying, yeah, I want to bring him back. I don't know. I don't really think that's that realistic, to be honest. It was so much fun when he was here, you know. We, yeah. Everything was – we were happening. Uh, right. I, you, you love Lindy. He's, you watched his – Best highlight ever here. He is on the boards yelling at the other team's head coach in the brawl game against Ottawa. You haven't seen you haven't seen even a small percentage of that emotion from any of your Sabre coaches since then. Uh, it's classic. Yeah. I like I like Housley and I mean I hate to see him go, but you know, if we could lose him for for Lindy, I think that'd be a huge help and I think we have enough talent here that he could make everything work. Yeah. So. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for the call, man. I'm, I'm glad you did bring him up. I'm, I'm fighting myself inside here to try to not be biased because I think the unbiased person in me would say bringing Lindy back is what? It's just like what? what, what I, don't, I don't even know. 
like a homer would say. I think if you look at it from an unbiased point of view, since he left, he went to Dallas. Ah, even, you know what, he went to Dallas. He made the playoffs twice. So it's hard for me to say that it's not an upgrade. Like, I wouldn't quite put him on that level with Boudreaux and uh, Quenville, but mm, that's a tough one for me because I loved Lindy. He was, like, the only coach I ever had growing up, so I don't mind the idea, though. Let's go to Kevin and Tonawanda. Kevin, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for taking my call. Sure, no problem. Yeah, I, I want to make a, a multiple points, so I'll kind of move quickly here, and then I'll, I'll listen to your response. Yeah, no rush, man. I, I think that this team has numerous problems. Okay, number one is goaltending. People keep, keep on talking about puck luck, but what people aren't talking about is how bad the goaltending has been the last half of the season. And if you take a look back at Omar's last season, he did the identical thing in Rochester. He made the all-star team for the first half, and he was terrible the second half, and he was garbage in the playoffs. So I think goaltending is, is an issue. I think that if you look at our top six forwards, after Reinhard Eichel Skinner, nada, nothing. Only six other teams scored less goals than us. And then, then let's go to defense. Beyond Montour and Darlene, uh, I don't know what you got. Rasmus Ristolainen, i trade that guy for a forward this summer if they're smart before his value goes down. I would only do that, though, if the forward is like a bona fide top six guy. Yeah, top six forward, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Sure, so would I. Okay. And then two other points. As far as a coach goes, I would elevate Chris Teller. I, would, I think that guy gets it. If you ever listen to his players talk, I think that guy gets it. I would give him a job. Quinville's never coming here, so just it's a stupid conversation. But doesn't Taylor kind of feel like a move that a rebuilding team does? That's the only thing about that yeah. that, that has me hesitating. Yeah, but yeah, who cares how it feels, though? If, if he can get results, if he can get these guys to play, then he can get them to play. And, and here's my last point, and then talk about these things, if you will, when I get off. Yep. I want to know if Jason Botterill has full authority and control over the decisions, all hockey decisions that are made on this on this team. And if he doesn't, who has the authority to veto him? Because I'm going to tell you something. I suspect that Kim Pagula has got her hand on this team, and I think she is the reason why this team hasn't made the playoffs in eight. Yeah, Kevin, I got to be honest with you. I definitely disagree with that last point. There's nothing that makes me think that Jason Bottrell does not have full authority over the hockey department. There, there isn't even really an example of something that would make me think that. I think Kim Pagula is running the business part of it. Like, there's nothing that makes me think that. Of course they have veto power. They're the owners. But is there anything that I, I – there's nothing I can even think of that makes me think they would have done that in anything. So, yeah, I think Bottrell has – there's nothing to me that makes me think he doesn't. Um, the Chris Taylor idea is an interesting one. But, again, that's not – that feels like a rebuilding move. I, I like your point that, like, who cares how it feels. And that's normally how I want to think. Because even the one example you could look at from Bottrell's days in Pittsburgh when they brought Mike Sullivan in from their AHL team after firing it, Stanley Cup winning coach in Bilesmo, like, that went well. Or, actually, Sullivan was after Chris Johnson, I think. Um, but it worked for them. So I don't know. To me, I I'd still think I would be most on board with moving on from the coach if you're bringing in 
a Quenville or a Boudreaux. And Quenville especially, I don't know how realistic that is. But again, I don't want to rule it out because you have Darlene and Eichel. Like, just to say he's not coming here, I don't think that's right. Who knows? How many more gigs are available out there that are more attractive? I think you're you're near the top. I don't know. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll talk a little bit more about the Skinner's contract as we roll along here, and we'll get an update on that from Darren Dreger. He was on with the Instigators earlier today. We'll play that back coming up next. And then I got a quick point to make before we get out of here, kind of comparing Cole Beasley's contract here in Buffalo to what Randall Cobb got in Dallas to replace him. I think that's an interesting one to look at. We'll talk about that as well. 803-0550 is the phone number. Keep the calls rolling here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Been rolling through some calls, talking about Phil Housley. Talked some Skinner earlier in the day. I got a Bills point to make before I get out of here. Still got a half hour. Let's get an update, though, on Jeff Skinner's contract and a look around the rest of the NHL. Is it starting to heat up as we get towards the end of the season? Unfortunately, the Sabres are not a part of that. But here is Darren Dreger, TSN, with the instigators from earlier today here on WGR. Darren Dreger, normally not on Mondays, but we didn't have him on Friday, so he's going to bookend our week. He's going to start us off here on Monday, and I think he's doing double duty. You're going to finish us off, too, Dregs, right on Friday? That's the plan, yeah. It's a big week for me. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, We're really looking forward to it, too. I know Riv was pumped when he found out you were coming on today because the first thing he wanted to ask was about, you know, any inside scoop on the Jeff Skinner conversation. And I apologize. I, I, I just I want to apologize on behalf of the instigators for always feeling like we have to lead with this question, but it's, it's, it's probably the biggest news right now in Buffalo is, you know, when Skinner going to sign. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a huge story. There's no question about that. I mean, uh, all along we've maintained because the Buffalo Sabres and Jeff Skinner have maintained that they want to get something done. They're working towards getting something done. Now, is it just the term, you know, is the annual average salary problematic from Jason Botterill's perspective? Well, there's something uh, that is, you know, dragging this process along. But that that shouldn't be misconstrued or misinterpreted that it's a negative. Uh, I still believe that these two sides do want to get something done. It's just as you creep closer to the end of the regular season, then you creep closer to July 1st, and uh, then it becomes a bigger issue because Jeff Skinner would have to make a decision. But I still believe that both sides are fairly confident they are going to get something done here. I'll tell you what, what you know, I, I don't know, if, like, take the information for what it's worth. I don't have a, a, an insider or anything. I just, I, I spoke to someone the other day, and, and the comment they made about Skinner was they, he loves it here. I mean, he, does. He, he loves playing here. He's smiling around the rink, even, even like, you know, he's in a good, not in a good mood, but the team's losing, yeah. but I mean, He's a cheery guy. It's his personality. He's got a great personality. He loves his teammates. He loves, I think, playing with Jack. I think that's obvious. His success would uh, speak to that. But but he loves yeah. it here, and he plays that way. I mean, I know he's I know he's not the the physical guy, but he is he is always moving. He's always going. He's yeah. a buzzsaw, and he plays <clears throat> like he loves being here. That's why I'm confident that this deal gets done. Yeah, and look, I mean, you know, every time Jeff Skinner talks about the Buffalo Sabres, you know, he he looks forward to the future, both his future and the future of the team. And he speaks glowingly of the young players that are, you know, coming into the organization or are playing right now. That doesn't sound like a guy who's unsettled or yes. getting restless because his contract hasn't been, uh, you know, fully 
uh, looked after just yet. Again, uh, you know, certain players, some guys are okay with a negotiation dragging on. That doesn't make it a negative thing. And I, I also believe that Jeff Skinner is, is keenly aware of the success that he's had in Buffalo and how good a fit he is with Jack Eichel. Why would you mess with that? So you allow your agent, in this case, Newport Sports, to do their work, and that's what they're doing, representing Jeff Skinner. But I still believe that, like you guys, uh, they're going to get something done. It's amazing, too. Hey, Riv's about to say something. I just want to throw – I'll throw this to Riv. It's amazing, though. Hey, Riv, when we're, we're so desperate for some information because Dregs yeah. both sides have been so quiet that we'll look for any tell by any comment. Yeah. And I believe, like, you know, when, when things are said, like, yeah, you know – He'll be good for us going forward. And, you know, when talking right. about Darlene and other young players, I believe that I believe in his mindset. I think he does feel like he's a saver for a long time. Well, I, I hope he is because, uh, you know, he's exactly what the, the ingredients that the Buffalo Sabres need. Um, he's yeah. a feisty little guy. Um, that plays the game hard, that has had success uh, scoring goals. He's going to play with uh, Jack Eichel, who only is – he's not even close to the tip of what Jack Eichel is going to do moving forward in the game because he's still young. That being said, when we're talking about this contract situation, uh, you know, this – the fans, the people that are kind of like watching, we, we feel yeah. like it's dragging on. It could, probably not dragging on. They're, they're in contacts. They're trying to get something done. Do you yeah. feel that they're in this uh, negotiation where things are dragging on because of the second part of the season that Jeff Skinner's had? One goal in the ah. last 15 games. Uh, you know, you look at his last 30 games. He hasn't really lit the lamp that much. But his first 30-some games, he was – the, the, the hottest goal scorer in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Do you think that Jason I, I, Bottrell is kind of like halting on things here? No, I don't think so, Rev. I don't. I, I think that, you know, they've been going through this process uh, with the same mindset of trying to get something done. And look, they, they talked before the start of the season and, and said, let's just get Jeff established here. You know, let's get him going and, and see whether or not it is a good fit. And then they got closer to Christmas and they basically said, all right, well, Obviously, he's a good fit. He's had a great first half of the regular season. You know, Jeff obviously made it clear to the Buffalo Sabres that he was interested in uh, talking and negotiating a, a long-term extension. I honestly, I, I think that, that Buffalo would love to get this deal done. But whatever the sticking point is, and I still believe it's term, you know, that's, that's where the fight is at right now. And that's not unusual. It's, it's not unusual. And, and I don't for, forecast Jeff Skinner you know, pushing away at any point and saying, all right, this is, it's, it's now bothering me and I don't want to have to deal with this until the end of the year. Or the flip side would be, I, I'm going unrestricted free agency because clearly we're not getting something done here. I don't get that sense. And I deal with Buffalo sources on a weekly basis. And when I checked in last week, that was the message that, uh, that I got. They understand that the fan base is getting antsy. But they do not, this is the Buffalo Sabres now, don't want people thinking that they're less interested in getting a deal done with Skinner than they were perhaps a month or two ago. Uh, do you think term is something we're going to start to see being a sticking point for a lot of other teams and players? Because Riv, yeah. Riv, Riv brought up uh, Matt Kachuk earlier today, and he has him compared to a, a bunch of other players that have to sign contracts. You know, the, the term seems to be, you know, Austin Matthews contract, I think is the one that probably brings everybody yeah. out to, to thinking this way. Cause I thought we all would have assumed that it was an eight year deal. Lock it up. Done. No big deal. It, it's over. Right. Well, the yeah. reality is I, I, go, go ahead. Go Drex. ahead. Ruff. No, go ahead. Drex. Well, look, I, I, 
I think it depends on the age of the player, obviously. You know, right. your, your guy coming out of entry-level contracts now, uh, provided he's in a position where he can make that sort of demand. You know, Austin Matthews wanted a five-year deal. I, I think he, he wants to see how things develop moving forward with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And most importantly, he hit a grand slam. He's going to hit that grand slam again in five years because he's, he's that elite superstar type of talent. But if, if you're a player like Jeff Skinner who's been down this path before, I, I think that six, seven, eight year makes a big difference. I don't think that there's any question of that. And it, look, if I look at the pending unrestricted free agents with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I'll just dial in on, on Matt Duchesne for just a second, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Is it conceivable that Matt Duchesne could get traded uh, at the draft so that he can pick up the extra year? I, I think it all depends on where you're at, both from a birth certificate standpoint, but also where you're at in your career overall. Were you gonna? Were you kind of thinking the same thing? Yes, very much. I, I you know, when we're talking about, uh, and this was one of the questions that I wanted to lead into. Um, I mean, with some of the uh, restricted free agents that are available, this that are that are going to be signing. Everybody's talking about offer sheets and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which, you know, it, it'd be awesome if it happened, but it probably won't. I'm just probably sitting there not. thinking, who is in the toughest situation to <clears throat> sign a contract? Is it Mitch Marner? Is it uh, Braden Point or is it Matthew yeah. Kachuk in Calgary? And when you look at Mitch Marner, they have their uh, their ceiling players in in a Tavares and a Matthews. Uh, Point is in a situation yeah. where there's no way that they're going to sign him for more than uh, than uh, Nikita Kucherov. And then in right. Matthew, in in Calgary, you have Johnny Goudreau and a Sean Monahan that are making just over uh, six million dollars. I mean. Who's in the toughest uh, situation to sign a contract? Well, I mean, all the teams that you mentioned, I don't think there's any question about that. And I'd throw Winnipeg into that mix with Patrick Liner or Kyle Connor. Oh. You know, all of the, the salary cap teams are going to have an issue. And that includes the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, to some degree, the the, uh, the Calgary Flames. And, and what's Matthew Kachuk going to get? I mean, he's making more than Monaghan and Johnny Goudreau. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation, the fact that the cap is going up. And the percentage that's applied to these players, you know, is adjusted because of uh, of the cap going up. So, you know, what's Matt Kachuk going to get? You know, I think he's a minimum $8 million per year player. And I'm sure that they're building a case where he's nine plus million. So then you look at Mitch Marner, you look at Braden Point. Uh, Mika Ratnan with the Colorado Avalanche is interesting, but the Colorado Avalanche have a ton of cap space. So I don't think that it's going to be much of an issue beyond having to pay him more than Nate McKinnon's making, you know, with the Colorado Avalanche. So trying times for these teams. I, I'm telling you guys, I, whether or not there are offer sheets, I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason because I don't see any way that good players don't leave Toronto. And, and maybe that applies to Tampa Bay. Maybe it applies to Winnipeg and to Calgary as well. You can't sign these big ticket guys for nine, ten plus million dollars and not lose somebody in the process when you're a cap team. Are you starting to doubt the Leafs? You know, I mean, a little bit. Yeah. 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 I, I a little was... bit. A lot of people, a lot of people up there questioning whether or not that first round well, series against the Bruins is going to be the, a big upset for the Leafs. I mean, basically, what they're down to right now is just battling for home ice, and that's going to be yeah. that's going to be the first round of I think that everyone's going to want to watch. What ingredients well, are well, they? Do you think they're missing there? Well, if they, if they don't get out of this funk right now, um, you know, they're 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 going to be in big big trouble in the first round against Boston. I think that goes without saying. 
Uh, what are they missing? I mean, when your backup goaltender, in this case, Garrett Sparks, comes out and says you're lacking emotion, that's a pretty big indictment from a guy who probably shouldn't be saying that, in, in my opinion. I mean, you, you look for that from your leadership core. You look from, for that from Morgan Riley or John Tavares or, you know, Austin Matthews. Uh, Patrick Marlowe has been around the game forever. Uh, but for the backup goalie to come out and say the team lacks emotion, I mean, that's fairly telling. And I, I, I think it's, it's very accurate. The blue line in Toronto is taking a ton of heat in this market. You know, because they're not playing very well. They have injuries. Dermot's out, and Jake Gardner's been out for an extended period of time, and they don't have the reinforcements to come in and, and fill those shoes. But it's more of a team defense. I mean, their faceoff work hasn't been good of late, and Freddie Anderson isn't as good as he needs to be. So if those things don't change fundamentally, then Toronto's uh, Toronto's in big trouble moving forward. I didn't know that Sparks made those comments, but you know what? I, like that might be exactly yeah. what the team needs is a guy like that, unexpected to yeah. kind of say something. A little brutal truth might hurt, but yeah. you know it also it also can uh, maybe wake you up a little bit too because maybe the Leafs have just kind of I don't want to say hit cruise control, but just maybe think they're so dominant that they can win you know most nights without even yeah. trying. Yeah, but well. If, if that's the case, then they're, they're going down in flames because you look at, you know, the Tampa Lightning who are on the cusp of clinching the President's Trophy. I mean, th- they've had a playoff spot locked down for 35 games, yet they compete every shift. I mean, that's how you win a Stanley Cup. I had a wish list, Dregs. I did it uh, last week or the week before. Five or six things I really wanted to see transpire between now and, and the end of the season. and. Right. Leafs losing in round one was was right up there at number one. And listen, <laughs> wow. this isn't this isn't a Leaf Buffalo thing, or this isn't a Leaf. I hate the Leafs. It's well, I mean, I don't know what it is, but I think it's I think it's a just you know I'm tired of it being called the Mecca. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it yeah. just. Yeah. I, but I I think that's top of my wish list, and I don't know why, but I feel like everybody in the hockey world wants nothing more than to not see the Leafs win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> I mean, well, look, the bottom line, maybe they're not ready yet. You know, maybe from a, an experience perspective, they're not mentally strong enough to uh, to contend for a Stanley Cup yet. And maybe they will be next year. Maybe they will be the, the year after that. But uh, a lot can change. A lot can happen in the playoffs, as we know. Can the Pens get back there with Malkin on week to week? That's a tough one, man. Uh, yeah, the answer in short is, of course, they can, you know, given the experience that they have. But, you know, that's a troubling loss when you, uh, you see he is out week to week. But... You know, it looks like Matt Murray's been playing better of late, and collectively, collectively as a team, they've been playing better of late. So they'll find a way. I mean, they've uh, they've got the intestinal fortitude to do it, but not having Malkin, you know, as your uh, number two is uh, is a difficult one to be sure. Name the coach that got fired that made this quote: "We're in no hurry right now," he said. "We'll see how things transpire in the off season. I think we'll have to think about it, and we'll see." Any idea hmm. whose quote that was? That was Joel no. Quenville on uh, whether we should expect to see him return behind a bench next year. Yeah, I look, he's going to be on a bench next year. I, I don't think that there's any way. I think what's most intriguing is where. And and what I know of Joel Quenville, and I'd put Elaine Vigneault, who's also out there to some degree waiting. I mean, these guys have lots of money, so it's it's about recharging and enjoying the time away. Those are proven coaches, certainly uh, uh, Joel Quenville, and I don't think he's jumping into just any opportunity. Maybe a, a, an up-and-coming team like the Philadelphia Flyers might intrigue him enough to go to that low-end side of things, but 
I, I think that Joel Quenville is looking for uh, a, a closing opportunity. And I don't know where that is. I mean, could it be Toronto? I don't know. I mean, let's see what happens if things really go south with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. You wonder Leafs. about Edmonton. Yeah. You wonder about having Connor McDavid. No. no that's a, I don't that think was a quick so, head, That was a quick head shake, Dregs. Yeah. Uh, there's just too much work there that needs to get done. I mean, unless unless I'm reading Joel wrong, and I don't think I am, and, and the people that he talks to, his buddies say, you know, his next job is going to be going to a team where they're real close or they're they're legit Stanley Cup contender. And the Edmonton Oilers are light years away from that. Darren Dreger, awesome as always. Look forward to chatting with you on Friday at 1130 as well. Thanks for your time today. Okay, guys, have a good day. There's Darren Dreger from TSN. And the last part there on Joel Quenville. If you missed any of that, the whole thing is on demand at WGR550.com. Let's go back out to the phone lines before we hit a break. Jim and Ken Moore is on the nightcap. What's up, man? Yeah, how you doing tonight? Good. How about you? Good. So, I uh, just want to touch on this Jeff Skinner. Everyone's um, jumping all over that we got to sign this guy. But uh, I heard uh, Paul Hamilton say it on a week or two or so in the post-game show that Housley's been begging these guys to go to the net all season long. And then I heard Thomas Sherry after a hockey game, which is pretty embarrassing, Say, you know, we really, we really need to go go to the net, but you know, it's really hard to go to the net because you're going to get beat up. Essentially, basically, like, yeah, we need, we know that we need to go to the net, but it's hard to get there. Okay, uh, my question is, Skinner has really disappeared in the second half of the season, and we know. I wouldn't say he's disappeared second half of the season. He's just kind of disappeared in the last like ten games. Well, how many goals has he had in the last half of the season? And I mean, in the last half of the season, he was actually on about a forty-goal pace. It's just until these last ten games hit. No, I don't know about that. I think he's had like eight or nine goals in twenty-five games. Uh, I think maybe you're. Yeah, but think about it. Think about it. If you take away the last ten games where he's only got one, that's about eight goals in fifteen games, which is actually a forty-goal pace. Okay, I, I, I won't bicker with you about that. But here's my bottom line. My bottom line is. How effective is a guy of his stature going to be when it's really, really tough to score goals and you got to be there within that eight feet? And forget about even the playoffs. I don't know. That's when he's he's good, like around the net. Like he's good from in close. Like I think that's actually a strength of his. When you like, he's not a guy that like sits at the point and rips one timers. He's a guy that kind of sits in the slot and goes around the net and scores. So even though he's small, like that's where his money's made. So I don't know. I don't know about that. And to me, when I look at the players of that stature, I'm not too worried about it. Like, Danny Breer was that size, and should we not have signed him? He reminds me of Breer in some ways. He's not quite the same player, but I don't know. 803 is the phone number. Last call in the nightcap coming up next here in WGR. Only got a minute here on the nightcap before we get out of here and get you to NASCAR Live. I want to make one point today that I failed to get to, but I want to get to it now. A couple hours ago, Dallas Cowboys signed wide receiver Randall Cobb. He will replace Cole Beasley, now a Buffalo Bill, as their slot receiver. And, you know, it's a tough one for me to stomach. Just in the fact that Cole Beasley got four years, $29 million here. It's not outrageous. Maybe a little overpaid, but generally you think that's what free agency is, and he's a good player. Um, four years, $29 million. Dallas got Randall Cobb. One year, 
five million. And I know what you're thinking. Like Randall Cobb, older, right? Nope. He's younger. So I don't know. I think that's I'd maybe I'd rather have Cole Beasley the player, but at that number, Dallas definitely did a good a better job there than Buffalo did. I mean, one year, five million for a slot receiver that has better production than Beasley in his career and is younger. And you get him for three less years and at a lesser cap hit. So I don't know. You knew they were going to overpay for some players, and it's fine. The Bills aren't really going to pay for it. They already have they have so much cap room as it stands right now, even that I'm not too worried about it. But you know, it hurts a little. It hurts a little that Dallas was able to get a player of similar caliber for a much cheaper price. All right, that's it for me uh, here on the nightcap. We've got sporting events throughout the rest of the week, so you won't hear from me until next week. Sabers Leafs tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, NCAA tournament. It is time for March Madness. Thanks for listening. You catch the whole show on demand at WGR550.com and the radio.com app. Signing off here, Jody Biasi on the nightcap on WGR. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T Mobile.com.